1: Is regular season ready and who is not? A lot of talk on this podcast. <laughs> now we find out on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Remember, gentlemen, playmakers make plays. Game changers change games. Oh,
0: are we even ready? We're, we're a day late.
1: Podcasters, we are we'll ready. fill that in. That's up to you guys. I can't do everything around here. Darren Urban, Felipe Corral Jr., Pauly Podcast over here. Are we regular season ready?
2: Felipe, you look like you're energetic. I am, of course. It's week one. Everyone's energetic for okay. this upcoming season with fans and, and all that. You're all ready I know, for
0: morning radio there, Felipe.
1: All I know is we did the Cliff Kingsbury TV show, and we had to get a seatbelt around Ron Wolfley. So, uh, boom, he was ready to come off the ball right there. He was just, uh, you know, so you can tell based on the body language over there. So I just thought I'd throw that. And look. If Richie Incognito can still be on an NFL roster and just voted a team captain with the Raiders, then you're darned tuned we can do Cardinals underground. Here we are, week one, getting ready to go to Tennessee. And did I not just see news that A.J. Brown did not practice with a knee injury? So if there's one thing that we can say definitively about the Arizona Cardinals right here, right now, everybody knock on wood if you're with me. John Gruden, not because of John Gruden, but because of the karma uh, and the superstitions, the Arizona Cardinals are pretty darn healthy going into the opener are they not Darren Urban
0: yeah well Marcus Gilbert wants to have a word uh, I don't uh. know why you would bring that up the week of a first game Marcus Gilbert <laughs> got hurt on
1: a Friday oh now wait a minute that is bad karma why would you do that that is bad. I didn't I did not mention that I'm talking strictly I, I will Cipolli say pay. that is, I'm trying to take it one game week at a we, time and he's going back two years I ago. mean honestly
0: the, the the reality is though I mean we sat there through training camp and everybody was talking about, you know, guys missing time, AJ Green, JJ Watt, all this stuff That's and right. I mean, they're done. Like top be, 6
1: D linemen who are out for a month. And
0: everybody said, "Hey, they're going to be ready for the regular season." And everybody's like, "Uh, and guess what?" You know, the only guy at least this early part of the week that's missing any part of practice is at this point your third string tight end, Darrell Daniels.
1: Oh, the game's over.
0: So, I mean, that's that's pretty good. I mean, even your guy coming off ACL surgery, Dennis Gardeck, who didn't get hurt until week 15 last year, is practicing
1: full and he's he trending is? towards I being. I did not active. realize that really. Yeah, he was in some of those drills. And I was shocked at the end of camp. He he was in some of those linebackers. No, they're position drills. It wasn't team, it wasn't on 11 11 on 11. But I mean, he's bouncing around, moving laterally. He actually was in a pass rush drill, Felipe, Dennis Gardek. Man, that would be gravy. That would be grave. They actually got him back in the month of September. That would be outstanding.
2: Hey Paul, we've been covering Dennis Gardick's journey back to the field since the offseason. You know, he was part of one of the episodes on Flight Plan. He has his own show on our Arizona Cardinals YouTube channel called How I Got Here. So he's been at the facility, I kid you not, ever since he got cleared to do some type of activity. He's been here 7 a.m. in the morning, puts in the work on the field, in, the re- in rehab. He's in the weight room. He's been putting in work for this exact moment. So to me, Seeing him at the facility all throughout the offseason, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that he's back on the field in position drills. Uh, hopefully, he's a full go on on Sunday, but I think the team missed his his music more so, you know, his his <laughs> EDM right. music. And, yeah. all, you know, you heard Cliff That's Kingsbury right. allude to that yeah. earlier this week. Yeah. You
1: can't be the team DJ if you're not out there making plays, right? That's uh, What was it again? The ETM music? What EDM. Was that EDM. 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 It's, it's okay. the music. Is that cap or no cap? The EDM music. I knew that was funny. What would that be? I knew.
2: I don't know if it falls under the cap and no cap. Think about that. Think about whether. Or thanks for, ca- cha- or thanks
1: no for ca- challenging me on the okay. I'm going to challenge Darren now. Yes. Best ACL recovery in the history of the NFL. Go. The best ACL recovery? Yeah, the quickest, the best, the most impressive, the most miraculous ACL recovery whoa, whoa, whoa. from the, that injury. The, the
0: best and fastest might be different than the most miraculous.
1: I vote Adrian Peterson. While you quibble with the question, yeah. I vote Adrian. Wasn't Adrian Peterson? Didn't he tear his ACL and then he came back and ran for like 2,000 yards? Wasn't that? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. And I was thinking of that because you have a 2,000 yard rusher in Derrick Henry. Only eight guys have done that in league history. And just when he breaks through that line, and maybe you're a Buddha Baker and he met the media this week, and there you are in the open field, and here comes King Henry, and boom, the stiff arm is right there, and all of us. I mean, there's a lot to think about if you have to bring down King Henry, and all you have to do is go on YouTube and look for one of those stiff arm videos. I know that's where you are Felipe. All the kids are on YouTube looking at those stiff arm videos over there as uh Derrick Henry can make you look bad and make you
2: feel bad in the open field. But if there's someone on that on that defensive side of the ball that's not necessarily afraid to go after Derrick Henry, I think you mentioned them, right? Bud Baker's <laughs> no, but one of the right. most aggressive you're tacklers right. in the NFL, so uh I thought yeah. it was funny how I when they were interviewing Isaiah Simmons during his press conference appearance, he was like I just don't want to be on the other side of the ESPN top 10, you know. Yeah. He's not necessarily no. going into the, game, no. into the game thinking about, no. you know, I don't want to get stiff-armed there, so to speak. So, But if there's someone that's not necessarily afraid of tackle that's Derrick fine. Henry, I think it is Buda yeah. Baker.
1: The fine dominion of America that is Buddha Baker. I mean, half the body mass uh, of Derrick Henry. But By the way, did you, did you hear Buda Baker's comp for Derrick Henry? Is it not a comp that I've made right here on Cardinals Underground in the past that when I see Derrick Henry... <laughs> From field level, your immediate reaction is, what is the defensive end doing playing tailback? That's how big he is. And the only other guy I've seen even close was the name that Buda Baker dropped when he was asked, who does Derek Henry remind you of? First of all,
0: I was the one who dropped the name. He couldn't remember the name. I I was the one who had to remind him.
1: I I did refer to it. I technically couldn't remember his name on the top, but you know who I meant. Brandon Jacobs. 2005, Cardinals at the Giants. Although
0: uh, Buddha also said that he was eight when all that was happening, and you were, what, 42 at that point?
1: (laughs) Edit that out, Holmes. Edit that out. See, that's a shot right there. You know, I've been taking shots. You know it's week one. I'm getting some of these dirty shots below the knees around here. That only
2: means that Darren was, what,
1: 25 at that point? I I, I, I did this Channel 12 roundtable thing earlier today. Lorenzo Alexander on there taking a few shots at me. You know what, Zo? your alma mater stinking lost to Reno the other night at home and Colin Kaepernick wasn't playing quarterback. Put it that way. So wait, wait a minute, that's really embarrassing you for, mater for you with him, right? and your alma mater. <laughs> that's really embarrassing for you, Lorenzo Alexander. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, look, I, the Derrick Henry thing is, is fascinating. I, I've gone back and forth with this. and I know Buddha was saying like, look, this, this game is all about stopping Derrick Henry. You've said this on the podcast earlier. Obviously if AJ Brown is, is not healthy and Julio Jones, I think, still has some question marks about how healthy he's going to be at this point in his career. Uh, similar to AJ Green, I, I think I, I, I understand why everybody's coming that way. I still think ultimately they'll they'll find a way to mitigate Derrick Henry, even if he gets his yards. My what my fear right now, especially with the the way the secondary is for the Cardinals, is you can't have the wide receivers run rampant on you. In play action and that still is I'm still more afraid of that this weekend than I am what
1: Derrick Henry might do good news Baltimore put a plan on film from the playoffs when they held Derrick Henry to 40 yards rushing on 18 carries that's the good news the bad news is to Darren's point you have a rookie at middle linebacker and, look, I had a chance to talk with some of the Cardinals coaches to start this week. And, yes, they fully expect Tennessee to target Zayvon Collins. There's no doubt Why about it. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, it's a game of matchups. You're going to try and exploit uh, the Zavin Collins inexperience factor, not unlike what Kyle Shanahan did a year ago. Felipe, you brought that up. When he went after Isaiah Simmons, Raheem Mostert out of the backfield, and boom, he gone, right? And so that's going to happen. Uh, here's the thing, and this this is and we've talked about this in the offseason, There was that NFL.com poll, all the NFL writers weighed in, and the question was the best receiving duo in the NFL. Do you know that AJ Brown and Julio Jones finished second to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey? So you add arguably the second best receiving duo in the NFL to Derrick Henry. Uh, look out! That that is the challenge because now yeah. it's not just Derrick Henry, it is that ability to get those crosser routes, seam routes. You have two receivers who are 220 plus. They're going to be physical with your corners. Cardinals obviously have some depth issues there. So yeah, there's a lot to worry about in this one. Well,
0: I mean, again, can you can you put them in obvious passing situations? Can you get the pressure on them that you expect to get when you got guys like JJ Watt and Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden and maybe even Dennis Gardeck and you know, those those are the questions. I mean, Buddha Baker was saying it himself. Like, what you don't want to do is be in a position where it's third and four, or third and three, or third and two, where they could easily hand it off to Henry, who barely has to do anything to get two yards rushing, uh, <laughs> other than fall forward, right, right? And or or you could get nailed with a with a, a play action pass, and that's that's what they've got to deal with.
2: And I feel like if there's a game where Isaiah Simmons and David Collins have to, you know announce themselves, present themselves, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Zaven Collins and Isaiah Simmons. It has to be week one because, I mean, you can't, can you play nickel against the, this offense? I mean, if you have one less person in the box, I mean, that's, that's Derrick Henry's role right there. If You have to stack the box against a Derrick Henry. So having someone like Zaven Collins and Isaiah Simmons that can drop into coverage on a play-action pass, I think that's going to be important, especially when you have all those weapons. If Julio Jones is a go, if A.J. Brown is a go, and you still have Derrick Henry in the back in the, in the backfield, and you have two players that are as versatile as Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons, I mean, that's going to go a long way in Week 1.
1: Then again, think of how often we saw those two guys with Jordan Hicks in the preseason, especially in Cardinals practices, right? Yeah. Uh, this is a game where you would think that plan, that personnel group is going to be in place, that – when they first started running in camp, a lot of players say, oh, no, it's just an install. It's just one facet of the playbook. Well, I think there's a reason that it got a lot of play in the month of August because we're going to see a lot of that. And the fact that Jordan Hicks just voted a team captain.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Might,
1: might be a pretty good indicator once, once where this Hicks, is tracking.
0: Once Jordan Hicks got named captain, I mean, you don't have a guy who's playing 25% of the defensive snaps being called a captain. I just don't see that. Uh, obviously, he's always a leader whether he's playing or not, but – you know, I see a guy who's going to be out there a lot and I see, look, Vance Joseph said from day one, we want to put the best 11 guys out there. And if the best of 11 guys ends up being Isaiah Simmons playing some kind of hybrid safety linebacker kind of deal with those other two linebackers on the field, I, you know, I think that's very realistic. And I, and I, you're right. We saw way too much of it in camp, in my opinion, to say, this is just a, you know, a one-game thing, or they're just putting it in for Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook,
1: or something. And now, minus Malcolm Butler, how often do you think Isaiah Simmons might be your slot corner, well, especially if you to have to, have to pick board. Byron Murphy on the outside with a Robert Alford and/or Marco it's, Wilson? I
0: see. I here's the thing. You, I think you need to be very judicious on what you do with Isaiah Simmons as a slot corner, because teams will absolutely light you up if you if they know that that's coming. I, I like Isaiah Simmons in terms of his versatility. I think he can give you one-offs there with certain packages and all that stuff. But if you're talking about, uh, you know, because Malcolm Butler's not there, we might not have Alford on the field or we might not have Murphy in the slot or we're afraid of Wilson as a rookie, I, I think that would be a mistake. I think the Cardinals are still going to be better off using cornerbacks at cornerback.
2: Is, is this more of a J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones game, putting that pressure on Ryan Tannehill so he doesn't have that much time in the pocket? And are they stopping
0: Derrick Henry first?
2: a question I mean, I mean
0: yeah look I I do think the defensive line is huge in this game and we're going to see very quickly uh not only what J.J. Watts bringing to the table but you know some of these other young guys what how much does Corey Peters still have left and what kind of physical shape is he in after having to come back from that injury you know what are you really going to get out of Zach Allen and Michael Dogby and Lecky Fotu and Rashard Lawrence can those guys hold up I mean I think that's fair. I mean, a lot of people are talking about this potentially being a shootout type of game. I'm curious to see how that pays off. Our old uh, cohort, Kyle Odegaard, was... Tweeted out the other day that the the according to football outsiders, the uh, for projections, the Titans are going to have projected to have the worst defense in the league. Ooh. Now, I don't know if that's true, Ouch. but it's like, really, is you know, does that mean that this lines up for a ton of scoring on both sides? Well,
1: hello, did we not talk with Kyle in the offseason about take the over in week one when it comes to this game? Although. Well, you missed that, Felipe. I, I,
0: Paul was I, I, obsessed I, with the Titans back yeah, in like yeah. May and June Oh, for we, some reason. we
1: got into it. We got in-depth. We got March and April scouting reports on, on the Titans. <laughs> you
0: would have thought we lived in Tennessee. And, and that, we,
1: that was before Julio Jones? We we pointed out, did no, we not, that was among you know. other things, take the over. We also pointed out that they had the worst third down percentage in the NFL a year ago. And they had the worst sacks per attempt rate in the NFL. So guess what? The Titans defense was the worst in a number of categories a year ago, and Football Outsiders says they're going to pick up right where they left off. Here's the other factor, getting back to your Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt. Let's not forget Taylor Luan, their left tackle, is coming off an ACL surgery. And he got only got a handful of snaps in the preseason. They played three preseason games. They had a week of joint practice with Tampa, which right there makes me wonder, okay, they're already a physical team. They did a joint practice with Tampa. That got feisty. They played three preseason games. You just hope, because every game plan gets thrown out the window if you don't match another team's physicality. So, I to me, yes, it starts with stopping Derrick Henry. But beyond that, even before that, you got to be physical with this this Tennessee team because that's the personality of the head coach. But I'm real curious if you want to talk about a game of matchups. Taylor Luan, the left tackle, against yes. Chandler Jones and J-J. Yeah. J.J. Watt. So. Look, it's a Tennessee team. I ripped this. Uh, this from CBS Sports. They tweeted out. Here you go. It's our it's our shout out to analytics. Uh, you know, our, our ode to Kyle on this one since 2019. Kyle Odegaard. The Titans lead the NFL in the following offensive categories. That's over the last two seasons. You ready? Touchdowns, plays of 50 plus yards, red zone touchdown percentage, and rushing touchdowns. Not a surprise on the last one. That's for sure. So you have a lot to worry about if you're Vance Joseph in that Cardinals defense. There's no doubt about that. So uh, what else concerns you about this? In fact, here was the question on Channel 12. They said, what position group concerns you the most? I think we've already covered corner. We already talked about inside linebacker. Anything else that's on your radar? Any other areas? You're like, hmm, you know what? My boxers might start bunging when it comes to the Cardinals and this position.
0: I'll I'll defer to you, Felipe. I'll, I'll be honest at this point. I mean, again, we touched on some of those other positions. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, as we sit here a couple of days out, I, I'm kind of over the whole, you know, what are we going to see? What am I concerned about? Like, we're, we're to the point where it's like, let's play some games and, and see what's real. Because we can sit here and say we're concerned about this and this, and we don't know. And the reality is, is neither do the Cardinals. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're going to say everything's good. They're going to say things have gone well. Uh, I'd expect him to say nothing less, and I expect him to believe nothing less, but we're until sure. we start playing some games, it's just i'm I'm kind of i I feel over the analysis a
2: I think going through a training camp and seeing how much potential this offense has had me curious and had me thinking, hmm, I wonder how the running back group is gonna look because you know you have another weapon in Kyler Murray right when you need him to run, he's in a run, he's in a scramble for fifteen yards, maybe twenty. 20-plus, but when I think of Chase Edmonds and, and James Conner and what, the, what they can contribute in 2021, we haven't seen a full season of Chase Edmonds as an RB1 or a, yeah. a first down, second down back. James Conner ha- didn't have the best season last year, but you know he's going to get the, the red zone touches, so I'm just curious to see how that's going to play out. I mean, you know Cliff Kingsbury loves to hand off the ball. You know he loves to pass it to his back, uh, to his running back out of the backfield, but until we see like like Darren said until we see an actual game to see how it's going to develop and how it's going to end up being you don't know who's going to you know Be the RB one, or who's going to have the better season the first couple of weeks? So I think that's what I'm more more curious about.
0: I got to be honest. Two things pop into my head. One, I'm enjoying the idea of Felipe thought bubble over his head as he looks in the mirror and goes, "Hmm, (laughs) what what will these running backs look like?" I just just by himself with his bowl of oatmeal. I I walk
2: past Chase and James, and I'm like, "Huh?" I wonder what's. I'll uh, I'll uh, be honest. That's a great point with Felipe. I feel like
0: (laughs) I do feel like. And I was thinking this the other day, interestingly enough. I was thinking to myself, like, we talked all about the running backs for a long time, and then I feel like it completely fell off the radar. It hasn't been a subject that we've talked about that many people have talked about. And it, and it, it does hold such a huge key, Paul, for this offense and, you know, what kind of balance they can get, what kind of uh, push forward can they can get. I mean, again, we were talking to Kyler this week, and the, the question of how much he's going to run comes up. And what wasn't brought up, within the segment of whether he's running or not or if his legs are a luxury and all that good stuff is he has to if the rest if the rest of the running game doesn't really come together. And if yeah. the rest of the running game does come together, you, you give yourself a little more freedom.
1: I want to see what the Cardinals' offense and the running backs look like in the red zone. If you're out there with James Conner, 230 pounds plus, and you have six foot four AJ Green, and now you've added Rondale Moore making dudes miss in space, and obviously D Hop, and, and quite frankly Chase Edmonds has been excellent in the red zone the last couple of years. He just has this ability, this nose for the pylon, getting into the end zone. So. If there's one area where you're saying, you know what, the Cardinals are going to be better, and they were better in the red zone a year ago versus the year before, no doubt about that, especially after the slow start to 2019 and Cliff Kingsbury's debut year. I think they have fortified the offense most definitely when it comes to the red zone. Kyler Murray was asked about his weapons. I liked his response. I'm now quoting Kyler. And this is just in general with the weapons at his disposal. He said, and I quote, if I don't make things happen with what I've got, then I'm not doing my job. He's right. I like hearing that. I like hearing that. That sounds like leadership to me. That sounds like a guy talking to the entire locker room and saying, you know what? It starts with me. I'm QB one around here. I got to get my job done. and We're going nowhere unless I do. I I like the sounds. I like hearing the week before from Christian Kirk that Kyler Murray is sending these video clips to receivers. Hey, man, I'm thinking about this. Or you might want to think about that. I like hearing from, what, three different players that his arm strength is better. He's got better velocity and zip on the ball. So, Half quarterback
2: will travel, and so far, so good. What we've heard about Kyler is it more on Kyler, or would you add, would you split that pressure between Kyler and Kingsbury? Because when I think of Kingsbury, I mean, he finally has the weapons that he's been wanting since year one. He has the Rondo Moores, the AJ Greens, he got Rodney Hudson. So. Yeah, a lot of the pressures on Kyler coming off a of Pro Bowl year and going into year three, and you know he's closer to getting that that juicy extension down the road and, and so forth. But I also think that a good amount of the pressures on on Cliff Kingsbury, especially when you talk about the NFC West and the performance against you know the Niners, the Rams, and the Seahawks, and so forth. So I don't know. That's a that's a well, again deep thought. Something, yeah, man. You know, yeah. speaking of deep thoughts, so you know there's
1: always that that classic deep thought: is it the X's and O's? Or they're Jimmy and Joes. You know, what? what is it exactly? So it yeah. comes down to that. I'll say this, because here's another popular question. I'm sure you guys get it when you do other media. Is Cliff Kingsbury on the hot seat? Man, if you had a dime for that every time we've heard that leading into this season. Here's my response. Guess what? If it's a top five offense, or it's a top ten offense, and they're lighting up the scoreboard, but the defense fails or the special teams is a disaster, or the riddle with injuries like the Niners three of the last four years where Kyle Shanahan has lost double-digit games, then it's not on the head coach. But if the Cardinals come out and they're near the top of the league in penalties again, and there's an inability in short yardage situations, some of the situational football is lacking, that you get a replay of a lot of the same ills that plagued this team a year ago, then – yeah, I think that will fall on the head coach. And we all know if this team does not make the playoffs, there will be change. There will be blood. Something is going out that door. Someone or something if they don't make the playoffs. See, I'm not
0: I, – I understand what you're saying. And I don't – generally, I don't disagree. But I, I think it's too early – when I get that question, and you're right, I get that every time I do an interview – my answer is it's nuanced here. I mean, yeah, some of those mitigating factors are part of it. But to say that there's going to be change if they don't make the playoffs, I, there, there are absolutely ways for this team to play well, have a good record, and not make the playoffs. And I don't know if it's, it's a guarantee. I mean, if this team goes, if the, let's say this team goes 10-7, and seven, and two of those losses are heartbreakers that they just got beat by the better team, and they are in the playoff race all year, and, you know, there's just... Again, I don't know what the details might be, mm-hmm. but, like, why, why are you making
1: changes then? So it's like 2013. They win yeah, double-digit that's games... A, that's a good point. That's a, miss a great the playoffs.
0: Point. Like, if you take Cliff Kingsbury, and you say he coached what the Cardinals did in 2013, 10-6, and six, got hot, and that's the other thing. Like, one of the problems with last year was they started hot and finished slow. So if this team starts two and four. And again, it's not because they're getting blown out. They're just losing to good teams that you lose to the Titans by three points on the road. Man. Yeah. Um, but you finish strong and you just miss the playoffs in part because you play in the hardest division of football. Like I, again, I think there's nuance here. I, I do. I think they need to make the playoffs. Yes. Do I think that's the absolute driving factor? Yes. Do I think the odds are greater than even that there's change if they don't make the playoffs? Probably. Do I think it's a lock that if they don't make the playoffs there's some kind of sweeping change or blood as it were? I I'm not willing to say that right now cuz we don't know how they're going to not make the playoffs in that
2: case. I, I would say if you're in week 16 and week 17 and you're playing a third-string uh backup quarterback and TJ Bethard and you score thir- for and you score 13 points at home and right. you don't make the the postseason yeah, but, but I think there might be yeah. I mean. yes
0: but again that then that's the that's the nuance okay now now you're getting the specifics and I don't disagree if there's a, if there's a replay of what happened last year yeah I think there's going to yeah. be issues
1: but you know if it looks like last year and it ends like last year yeah there will be no next year can we say that if it looks like last year and it ends like last year on the playoffs, on the outside looking in, you're not getting another year, I don't think. But to Darren's point, if it's totally different and the team plays well for the most part and you barely miss the playoffs, I mean, I'll mean, i give you an example. NFL Network, two mornings ago, they went to their round roundtable and they had three analysts out on that set, and they were predicting the NFC playoffs. Do you know that three, all three analysts put three NFC West teams into their playoff picture? None of them picked the Cardinals. Every one of them picked the Rams, Seahawks, and 49ers. Does that
0: surprise you though?
1: No, wasn't totally shocked. I thought I thought maybe Shrags might have taken a car. Come on, Shrags, you know, he's <laughs> usually but he's been burned by that the last couple of years. Okay, I get it. But and I'm smiling right now when I say that. But see, to me, I'm gonna reverse engineer the division. As long as we're gonna talk about this a little bit going into the season opener at Tennessee here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. This is just me, Seattle. Not buying the defense, definitely not sold on the offensive line. So, uh, okay, I'll wait and see there. The 49ers, if you're going with a rookie quarterback, game over. Jimmy G, uh, I don't, they obviously don't have a lot of trust in Jimmy G. And on that defense of the 49ers, the secondary is very suspect. And where are they getting a pass rush other than Nick Bosa? Fred Warner, but you got to blitz him. So, we'll see. I have a lot of respect for Kyle Shanahan. And then the Rams of the Rams, you haven't beaten Sean McVeigh yet. I think they upgraded a quarterback with Matthew Stafford. They had the number one ranked defense a year ago. I get it. Brandon Staley left. They lost some parts over there, but that's still really stout with Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So, right now, you can go ahead and put it down. I have the Cardinals in second place in this division and making the playoffs. But once again, that's me. And I base it on watching last year. The kicking game at times was disastrous, cost you a couple of games. The penalties were really costly obviously. So if you have a much better kicking game, which I think you can count on with Matt Prater, who has already hit a game time and game winning field goal in a preseason game and his kickoffs are pretty darn impressive. And they try to hold anybody and everybody accountable for any sort of pre-snap penalties in the month of August. If you're bullish and optimistic, that's going to work and you can stop beating yourself in that category. Then to Felipe's point, you had a team that should have been a playoff team a year ago If they would have beaten one of those two backup quarterbacks down the stretch. So that's why I arrive at a second place finish for the Arizona Cardinals in the division, the toughest division in football.
0: Look, I'm not going to look once they got to six and three, that team should have made the playoffs and they should have made the playoffs. And I'm taking it in totality. I'm not just going to sit there and say they should have won one of the last two games. I mean, there were other games for them. They should have beat Miami at home. The Patriots, you know, they should have beat the Patriots. So, you know, you know, you can look at it both ways and and i don't disagree with any of that but um you know every year is a different year and i want to see you know exactly where this goes like felipe said i want to see the running game pan out i want to see what the inside linebackers do i want to make sure that they can still repeat the pass rush yes they get chandler jones back uh and they had that amazing year last year are they going to get the kind of pressure they got last
2: year If, if you think about the nfc west and to your point, Paul, I think they can come out in second place because on paper, I believe they have the second best quarterback in that division, and they have, if not the best offensive line.
0: So you, I mean, put, you put Kyler over Matt Stafford right
2: Of now. course. I mean, just his versatility, just what he did in weeks one through ten before he suffered that, that injury. Right. I'm, not,
0: I'm not saying it's, it's not, but I also don't think that it's it, – some people would say that it's not necessarily a lock
2: and then you you think about the the weapons that he has on the offensive offensive side i mean aside from the seahawks can you say that the niners have a better wide receiver wide receiver group can you say the rams i mean cooper cup robert woods aj green deandre hopkins i just think of it through that lens offensively i think they are one of the better teams nfc in the nfc west it's just i mean it's not how you start necessarily it's it's how you finish.
0: see i i like aj green i think he's had a really good camp when he's been out there i think he's prime for a bounce back year, but I do not think it's unfair to wonder if he's going to have a bounce back year. And, and so I, right now I'm looking at, I, I love the potential and what the Cardinals wide receiver room can be. Um, but uh, given, given the last couple of years, are you, are you definitely putting them over the Seahawks wide receiver core? Are you definitely what's a, what's
2: a bounce back year for AJ green though? Are we talking about like over a thousand yards or no, but I mean,
0: but I mean, if, if we're talking right now, we're talking about ranking the wide receiver rooms and and right now, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf play at a pretty high level. So, but but
2: after that, who can, who's the best wide receiver? Fair,
0: fair. But okay. Who's after Hopkins, who are you looking at for the Cardinals?
2: Green. Okay, that's what I'm saying. But mm-hmm. I'm like,
0: at this point in his career, I don't think if you're pulling, if you're ranking all the receivers one by one, Hopkins is one out of those two teams. But then Lockett and Metcalf are going to be before A.J. Green, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. fair well, And, and I don't want this to turn into no. somebody's going to hear this no. In, no. in the building and well, be mad at me.
1: <laughs> in one of the adjustments obviously defensively to the Cardinals offense a year ago was they were just all over DeAndre Hopkins the last two months of the season. And it worked. It worked. There weren't enough other options. There weren't enough other guys giving yards after catch and moving the sticks. And so –
0: I want to see, again, when we talk about – and this kind of goes back to where you're with the coach and everything, but uh, Kyler Murray needs to take a step forward. I I think, we again, there needs the evolution of Cliff Kingsbury as play caller, play schemer is also here and and he's acknowledged that early in camp when chase Edmonds said hey we need to do a better job adjusting and cliff's like he agreed with him and and i and i think that's big and and that's another reason when we sit here and say you know when i'm kind of saying i'm over the analysis that's why i want to see what this looks like in real time i want to see when the games count what he's what we're pulling out and you know i know look what, what were two of the biggest criticisms from the outside of the Cardinals offense last year? One of them was that DeAndre Hopkins didn't move around much. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to change, um, but AJ Green on the other side will help. Um, and then the other thing is the pre-snap motion stuff. And now that you have Rondell Moore, I'm really curious about the pre-snap motion stuff. That seems to be a big thing in this league. And I saw something on, uh, some analysis on Twitter the other day where they were talking about the Buccaneers who Bruce Arians barely used any motion. The first half of last year, they put in a little bit. It wasn't even a lot, but they were able to measure that. It, it very much helped the Buccaneers offense. And I'm hoping Hmm. that the Cardinals kind of see it that way too.
1: Was that in sync with getting AB Antonio Brown, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I don't,
0: I don't, I would have to look, but I don't think Antonio Brown had that big of an impact to be honest. And now maybe he did, but well, and even when he was out there, Mike Evans was banged up and, you know,
1: it is a mind blow of a stat that the Arizona Cardinals were dead last in pre-snap motion in 2020. To me, at least, I would never think of that when I think of a Cliff Kingsbury offense. Never would thought of that. But did he truly have the personnel? And we, that's
0: that's a big uh, – Rondell Moore, that's yeah, where you're talking. And now. when we
1: talk about personnel, and look, the most poignant, insightful comment of all of Cards Camp was on day one. You referenced it. Chase Edmonds talking about yeah. what happened to the offense and or, more importantly, what defenses did to adjust to the Cardinals' offense. And, guys, we talked about it in November and December. Did we not adjust to the adjustment? The onus was on the Arizona Cardinals. Here's the rub. Is I might be over my skis with the X's and O's, but go ahead and follow me here, okay? Lorenzo Alexander isn't here. Ron Wolfley isn't here, okay? There's no Drew Stanton or KVB or Rob Fredrickson, so here I go. Defenses, not only did they use that mush-rush approach, but they went with a lot of five-down linemen. So now the Cardinals' offensive line could no longer go in these sort of combo blocks, and it made every single offensive lineman have to single-block their guy mason cole wasn't up to it yeah that was a liability he was getting blown off the ball put on skates and driven into the backfield which was very problematic for your five foot ten quarterback and it messed up a lot of plays so now when you talk about personnel versus the x's and o's what is a coach supposed to do about that if your center is a liability every single snap and that's how defenses have adjusted there's not a lot you can do
2: get a new center
1: other than sending a fullback (laughs) screaming into the a gap I don't know. Yeah, you know, and a lot of people thought Lamont Gilliard should have been the guy down the stretch a year ago. He had some injury issues, but I got plenty of those texts from some of those armchair quarterbacks asking why Lamont Gilliard wasn't in, and I just said, like, pipe down. Uh, You know who you are out there. And so now you have Rodney Hudson in there, and you are hopeful you have solved that problem, that now your center is an anchor, and he's stout, and defenses won't be able to take that approach. So, these are all some of the wrinkles uh, and look, layers I, to how this year leads, in, last year leads into this year.
0: I think, you know, I've, in my 20 plus years of covering this team, I've been around poor teams. And I've been around poor teams that when we were at this point, I knew was a poor team. This is not it. This team absolutely has the capability of winning the division. It absolutely has the capability of getting to the playoffs. And I don't want to ever make it sound like it doesn't. And I think these are some of the reasons, as you were just pointing out, and, and some of the things they fixed. Now, again, we're going to talk about it. Any, anytime you start talking about what's going to happen during the season, injuries are the first thing. If you don't stay healthy, especially at certain spots, you're probably screwed. And so that's going to be a big deal. But the, the, the ability is there. Now, does that mean they are definitely winning 12 games? No. Does that mean they don't have the capability of ending with seven or eight wins? No. I mean, they have a tougher schedule, um, in my opinion, and and we're going to see how this plays out. But this team is capable. Now, the question is, can they take that step, whether it's some of the coaching parts of it that we talked about or whether it's Kyler Murray taking that step up, whether it's the running game Felipe was talking about, whether it's the inside linebacker, whatever you want to talk about. I mean... That's that's what the ability is there, the possibility is there. That doesn't guarantee anything.
2: Can we agree that a lot of the season is going to depend on Kyler Murray's performance on the field, where, whether he's – I mean, if he stays healthy down the stretch and he can continue well, exactly. being versatile, I feel like that's a, a big reason why Cliff Kingsbury couldn't get, you know, creative offensively down the stretch in the last five weeks because he was trying to protect his quarterback, his, you know, franchise quarterback. if. That's why I like the Rodney Hudson edition, ad- you know, in my two years, three years of covering the team since you guys <laughs> like to like to glow. I tend to go to the people that play the, ga- the game. So I went to Rolando Cantu, an ex-Arizona Cardinal offensive lineman, and I asked him, yo, what does Rodney Hudson do for the Arizona Cardinals? And he basically said, man, he's all about timing. And I feel like the more years you play in the NFL, it all becomes timing. So if you're you know, I, down the stretch, Mason Cole had a couple of, of penalties, you know, in crucial games that ended up not paying off for the Arizona Cardinals. So the fact that you added Rodney Hudson, that means more protection for Kylie Murray. That means less possibi- possibility of getting hurt down the stretch. And that means the finale is he can continue to perform at the level that he was performing in those first 10 weeks of of the season last year. So I personally think that a lot of it's going to come down to Kyler Murray's performance. And that's why I feel that the pressure is on him the most.
1: I'm going to put Darren on the spot because I walked in the press conference a little bit late. And when I walked in, it was Cliff Kingsbury talking about Rodney Hudson and how quickly he's adapted to the offense uh, is, is that, is that, was that the gist of it? I, well, it, was quite... the, it was the tempo of the offense. The tempo. Okay. Actually going, okay. So that's it. And, and you know what? I'll say this in defense of Zavin Collins, there is no tougher offense to try and get a defense ready for than the Arizona Cardinals in practice. Meh. Because there is no ref over the ball. There's no one regulating it, and the Cardinals are on the ball ridiculously quick as an offense when they're going 11-on-11. It is play after play after play in succession. Here we go, here we go, and you've got a rookie middle linebacker, and it's swimming, and you know what? Week one, at least I believe, in terms of setting the defense, making the calls, getting the guys in the right position, will be infinitely easier than training camp because of the offense he was going against in those live sessions. Because the Titans aren't going to go with that clip. Nobody's going to go that fast. So, honestly, I think Zayvon Collins might be breathing a little bit easier come September 12th just based on the fact that, hey, I do have a little more time to think out here before they snap the ball. Oh. Now, when they give that ball to Derrick Henry, that might all come <laughs> to a quick That's what I was about and, to
2: say. Yeah. I wonder what he's thinking at the line or when he's setting up and he sees a guy that's his height, his built, about to get the <laughs> hand out. In or front or of just, the mirror again. Yeah, Thought I'm just bubble. thinking, I'm a, I was just interviewing Zayvon, so I was, it came to my mind. Um, I wonder how what's gonna go through your head when you see Derrick Henry across from you, and he's your the same size, the same built, and everything. So, I mean, did,
1: did you simulate a Derrick Henry stiff arm with Zavin and see how he would attack the stiff arm? Like you know, boom, throw him a stiff arm and then see how he he grabs it and rips it away. My
2: stiff arm compared to Derrick Henry's, I mean, I think they probably they're probably at the same level, right? If, if I would have tried yeah. to stiff arm Zayvon, he would have been like, dang, that's you know Derrick what? Henry like." Here, here, since it's week
1: one, I'm going to give you guys a flaming Skip Bayless hot take here right off the – right. I mean, it's about time here on Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. You ready for this one? The best thing that will happen to the Arizona Cardinals in terms of a week one outcome that will serve them the best in 2021 would be a three-point loss. A team that got over its skis, started feeling itself, started smelling itself, said, hey, we've arrived. How many guys – I've talked about it. Either openly admitted it. That's what happened as a team. and was part of the problem down the stretch. That maybe the attention to detail might have waned. We've arrived, and a lot of guys learned that lesson the hard way. So
0: I'm going to say absolutely not. <laughs> if they were look, if you're that's why it's a hot take. If you're 12 and two, maybe a three point loss, it would be good. Out of the box, giving away a win that you could have had. not I'm not saying they would have given it away, but saying it would be better if they lost. Hell no. Hell no.
1: Was it 2016 they came out of the gates and they lost at the very end to New England, right? At yep. home? Yep. And, and
0: remember B.A.? Sunday night football, baby.
1: B.A. never stopped talking about that loss the entire season. It cost them. They it got, did. They got off the rails right out of the box. It did. And everyone sort of dismissed, okay, and they should have won that game. That absolutely, that was the Brandon Williams game. Yes, where he gave up the brutal and the, brutal cap, and the catman and,
2: game, where he missed right. the field goal. Is that okay. when Jimmy G started that game? Yes, You're
1: yes, right. yes. That because Tom Brady was out the first four games because of Deflate Gate, right? Mm. Think about
2: that. He had to
1: serve a four-game suspension <laughs> for Deflate Gate. Think of some of the other stuff that's transpired, and that hasn't been sense. penalized nearly as punitively as as that. That's that was lopsided. to in retrospect, that was pretty ridiculous. There's no doubt about it. Here's the other thing about the game on Sunday. Crowd noise. Cardinals have actually worked with crowd noise. They've had to work on the silent count. Something they didn't have to do last year. In fact, on his TV show, we asked Cliff Kingsbury about it. And I said, Coach, uh, no more of yelling out adjustments right before the snap. Huh? And he laughed. And he said, yeah. He said, I yeah. sort of had the luxury Last year, yelling a few things out to my receivers who were on my side of the field right before the snap based it, on the coverage. It
0: feels, though, that that's a, that's a coach thing. Like, a coach is like, oh, that's a bummer. I can't do it. I think players absolutely, even on road games, they would
1: rather have a oh, crowd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we were joking about it. But no, I know. It, it is something. Um, and, and you know what? Darren, you tell me. But Oh, I will, Paul. These road games. I mean, when you go to Carolina, and yeah, they were minus Buda Baker, but I mean, there was zero energy on that. Remember we talked about it last yeah. year? B uh, what was it? BYOE bring your own energy okay not BYOB bring your own beer BYOE bring your own energy and that was a necessity for these road games they went to New York twice 80,000 empty seats at MetLife Stadium and Carolina was absolutely dead in week four and the Cardinals were dead they didn't have a pulse especially on defense and a lot of the dynamic on the road is us against the world and I I know they're highly paid professionals and they're supposed to bring the same amount of intensity and urgency to the workplace every Sunday. I get it, but that's not reality. They're human. So there's a reason why the Arizona Cardinals play real well at Seattle. Because the moment they walk into that building, the 12s are yelling and spitting and snorting and throwing stuff and saying this about your mother. And, uh, and pretty soon, all of a sudden, guess what? There's no chance. I'm going to go through the motions today because that guy, the jerk in row two, saying stuff about my mom, this one's for him. And then they come in with full intensity. And I just that like, was lacking last year.
2: Pa, B-Y-O-B is bring your own bottle, by the way. <laughs> bring you your know? own bottle now? Yeah, no, come on. As a guy who enjoys a pale ale, it's always bring your own beer. Darren, bring can your own you bottle. be the, wow. you know, the, the guy that I, well, has I, I prefer, you know what I prefer the bottle over you know what? the beer. So. Bring your own bottle. No. I'm a Jack and Coke type of guys so no that's all cap it's cap it's I'm cap, it's, cap. Paul, it's all cap congrats. congrats you use it right sorry. you use sorry. it correctly there are Paul, certain you things know?
1: you don't mess with okay the byob is always
2: always has been always will be bring your own beer bring your own bottle we can we can set a poll on twitter and whatnot I mean, but i always i always think about that the again thinking going back to last season when the Cardinals went to visit the Seahawks on Thursday night football and just how out of sync and going through the motions that they looked on that specific game because the 12s yeah. weren't necessarily there. So Thank it, it does make a difference, Thank right? Thank you.
1: Uh, look, I
0: being at the Seattle Stadium, there was nothing weirder last year. And I think I've talked about this before. There's nothing weirder last year than being at that stadium at night and and having nobody in the building and, and having people yell out. And it just reminded me so much of Watching some youth practice, whether it's football or soccer <laughs> yeah. or baseball, yep. where you're in the night sky, so that you get that little bit more of an echo when it's at night, and you have people yelling at each other and you know guys screaming and trying to get under each other's skin, and you could hear it loud and clear because there's nobody in the building. I mean, I, obviously, you know, we didn't get to go to Tennessee last year, so I don't know what that would have been like, but uh, you know, it, it is going to be interesting. And it look the whole thing is going to be interesting as we go out. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury was saying this week. That you kind of have to deal with it, but at this point, you—it's always going to be hanging over everybody's head. Like, are we going to get a COVID test positive? Are we going uh-huh. to lose a player? Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's the people are back in the building, but the reality is, for those that don't haven't necessarily seen this, um, the rules for teams and and players and people like us, they haven't dialed been dialed back all the way to where they were last year, but they're a lot closer than we thought we were going to be about three months ago. And that, and if COVID doesn't get more under control, there's always a chance it's going to start getting dialed back. I, I don't think it'll be with the the fans themselves, but the rest of it might 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 get a little bit closer to that. And that is still also hanging over our heads. And that would be really weird too if we got to a point where you know you started doing something with some of the crowds uh, other than full boat. But I mean, it does. I mean, to me, being Seeing some of those scenes uh, over the weekend for college football, and seeing some of those crazy student sections where everybody's together and nobody's masked. And I know there's going to be people listening to this getting all angry and yelling at their uh, the recording right now. Of why Darren even cares about this and masks don't work, blah blah blah. But
2: uh, you know, it sounds like you're in favor of going back to daily testing. I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> trust me, I'm not in
0: favor of going back to daily testing. Daily sure. testing was enough for me, but I understand the people that are arguing that. Mm-hmm. And this, and the reality is, is this isn't necessarily getting a lot better, and there is this variant out there. And you know, I'm just keeping with the subject. You know, everybody can say it doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Uh, and even those, if you're a fan and you think none of this matters, well, you're going to care if Kyler Murray misses a game or two because he tests positive. Even win. even if he, you know, you, you're going to, you'll learn, Felipe. I don't believe in that stuff, so I don't really <laughs> care. But you know, so we'll we'll
1: see. So are you saying we need to pack our N95 masks for the plane? Is well, I'm saying uh, at this first point? First of
0: all, Paul, we all know that you would put yourself in saran wrap if you could. So I'm <laughs> I, not worried about yeah. you.
1: Well, seated next to Wolfley for 20 years. I was the one guy who was already wearing an N95 mask before March of 2020. So leave it at that. So let's see. COVID, uh, OK. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Phillips, uh, yeah. another constant on the IR again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we don't expect that. And then we can't actually start the first Cardinals regular season since 2003 without Larry Fitzgerald, without oh, yeah. mentioning Fitz. And, of course, the TV producers at Channel 12 found a way to shoehorn Fitz into the roundtable discussion. Here was the question. I haven't heard this question posed before. You guys ready for this? I'm posing it to you now. Should Larry Fitzgerald play in 2021? Felipe, Go. I
2: think that's the first time I've heard that question. Should you know? he play? So
0: now we're not only trying to figure out if he's going to play, but now no. we're actually trying to dictate his life. Put
2: down the driver and the pitching
1: wedge and the hybrid three-wood. Should he play football in 2021?
2: One of these days when Darren isn't necessarily paying attention to his phone, I'm going to just go take Larry <laughs> Fisher's contact and text him and call him myself, see if he actually answers and knows who I am. Do you think I have the credentials of a Darren Irvin? No, not, he, not he, even close. Yeah, you know? See,
1: he's, 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 he's quibbling over here. He's trying to defer away from the question itself. <laughs> no, he's no. trying to either buy himself some time or just avoid the question altogether. Uh, how do you answer that question for anybody?
0: Here, here's, a, here's a better question. Here's a better question because I, I don't know if we can sit here and say, should he play? Because, I mean – you're talking about I don't care who if it's Larry Fitzgerald or Kyler Murray, if you're sitting there saying, Yeah, he should play when it's not our bodies on the line yeah. out there. So here's yeah. my question for you. I mean, you Barry ball.
1: Sanders should have played back in the day and um, he walked away. Can I say that? Okay.
0: Here's my question. If we're gonna play shoulds, should if if Larry's not gonna play, should Larry Fitzgerald say he's retired? Ooh. Yes. Ooh. This this is a little bit more,
2: mm. I mm. understand.
1: Mm. Mm.
2: Do you guys think well. it puts the organization in a awkward position? Why? That, I mean, well. let's say in November they're in playoff contention and he's like, okay, I want to come back. Do you think that's going to happen? I think, honestly, I mean, you know, obviously you guys know him better than me, but if I was Larry Fitzgerald 6'4", you know, 220, 225, and I have a chance to make it to the playoffs one last time and potentially, you know, win a Super Bowl ring and whatnot, I, w- I would consider it. I mean, again, it's, it's me, like you said. Yeah. We're not yeah. the ones putting, putting our bodies on the line I've said or this, whatnot. I've
0: said this a million times. One, I don't think he's coming back. Two, I think the reason he's not saying it is because, and, I, and he said something this week on his radio show that kind of, I feel, backed me up a little bit when, he, when Jim Gray asked him, how are you handling not playing this game anymore? and he basically said i'm not really mentally i haven't really i'm paraphrasing but i haven't really mentally gotten my head around that yet i'm not considering that yet which tells me yeah i'm not playing anymore but i'm not i'm not willing to go there and say the words i'm not playing anymore in fact the rest of that answer even underscored it even harder for me because then he started talking about I still love watching the game I still love watching my kid play the game no 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 we're not talking about whether you enjoy football we're asking you if you miss no. well, how are you dealing with not playing so to me he is struggling with that
1: but I don't think he's coming
0: back um, I, I, I think you, you talk about
1: knowing can, can, somebody can I, can I stop you right there he keeps using the two words right now two weeks ago when he said I don't feel the urge right now Right. And then this time around, and I think it's—I think the quote is in your story in AzCardinals.com. Yeah. He said, "I feel content right now." He keeps using "right now." Isn't that a qualifier for okay? That might change.
0: Yes, but I think it's a qualifier for that it might change. So that he, because if he doesn't say "right now," if he just says "I'm content." everybody's going to assume he's retired and I don't think he wants to say those words right now We're it's two sides of the same coin. I suppose we're just, you know, we're, we're looking at the opposite things. I see him as saying, if I keep saying right now, right now, nobody can say I'm retired. I'm retired in my head. But if I say right now, they're going to have to keep guessing. And, and ultimately you say how we know him. And I, I do feel like football wise, I do feel like I know Larry Fitzgerald fairly well. I've, probably Paul would feel the same way. The, and he said this a couple of weeks ago when he said he didn't have the urge. At one point, somebody said, if you come back, I think Jim Gray said, you know, you come back to chase the Lombardi trophy. And he very specifically said, look, would I, would I come back to win a Lombardi? Yes, but that's not why you would come back. You come back for the process. You come back for the work to get the Lombardi trophy. I'm sorry, coming back in late November, coming back in the first round of the playoffs, That's not respecting the process to get the Lombardi Trophy, and I just don't see Larry as that guy. I see Larry, and I could be wrong, and Larry might text me at some point when he obviously listens to Cardinals (laughs) Underground and says, you're so off base, Darren, but I don't see Larry as the guy who would be willing to put on a ring for playing for a team for a month and being the fifth receiver or whatever it might be. I don't see him as that guy. I don't think he wants to be that dude. I don't think he's Drew Stanton jumping on. And all due respect to Drew Stanton, I, I appreciate the fact you got and you're in a whole different world. But like I, you know, Drew Stanton last year gets on the practice squad and gets a ring and everything. Earl Watford and I wouldn't blame them. I would do that. I don't know if Fitz does that. And let's face it, if this team wins the Super Bowl this year. He's getting a ring. I oh, guarantee you 100% <laughs> Michael Bidwell buys him a yeah, ring, yeah. just like the Colts did with Edgerton James after he left the Colts and they won uh, and played for the Cardinals and they gave him a Super Bowl ring. He gets a ring that way. And I think in a lot of ways, coming back with three weeks left in the season, Fitz sees it the same kind of way.
1: All right. Here, I'll off run the, my soapbox. I'll run the no huddle on Larry. Here's the thing, though I, I don't disagree with all you said, but I did not see a guy last year. Who grew to despise the grind? And that's usually where it starts. It's the guys who can't stand Monday through Saturday. Everybody loves game day. You just can't take the build-up, the preparation. I didn't see that guy last year and Larry, right. even with all the COVID protocols and the high degree of difficulty with everything, I didn't see a guy who was sick of the game. If you were to tell me that the Arizona Cardinals called him and said, guess what, you're going to be the number three receiver and you're going to get 70 targets this year, that'd move the meter. That and the fact that mm, maybe they have to sweeten the offer. So they got to make it. Because I do not see Larry coming back to be that fifth receiver. I agree with you on that. Uh, just a guy who gets 20 snaps a game and maybe you know a handful of targets per month, he doesn't want to be that guy. On the other hand, if a team like Minnesota, and Not I am knocking on wood. Not going to happen. If an Adam Thielen goes down on nope. Sunday and all of a sudden they got a big spot and they need a big name and they gained, and there's going to be a guy who's going to have a big role, Larry would think about that, I believe.
0: I, I will spend five minutes getting a, uh, giving Paul Calvisi a mea culpa if Larry Fitzgerald signs
1: with any other team. You don't have time for that because you're wearing another microphone right now, which means you have you're going to go multimedia moments sure. from now. So the only guy I've seen wearing the lavalier mic for TV and with a radio. I wasn't mic in sure how him. close we we're going to cut this, so but that's, one good that's, shit. that's good. But uh, and look, uh, should Larry come back? Um, you, you can't really answer that. Nobody can answer that for another person. But no. I wouldn't be shocked. I, I really wouldn't. Uh, he's seen other guys do it. He's seen the uh, Dwight Freenies of the world come in. In the middle of September, even October. And guess what? It's a long season. And if yeah, the Arizona that, Cardinals yeah. suffer some sort of injury, you know, epidemic in the receiver room,
0: he's getting a call. I okay, I, I agree with that. I mean, circumstances, if they change, could change, but you know, as it stands right now, I, I don't see it. I don't see it.
1: Tampa, right? You're looking at me, Felipe. You're saying he's going to Tampa. You, see, he's going to read Tampa. my mind. Yeah, I know. You read a, my yeah, mind. There oh, we we got was, that ESPN going between us. You know, that's yeah, good. I was thinking
2: good. of Uncle Uncle Bruce over there and, <laughs> right. you know, Cousin but you know what? Cap. But you know what? Cousin Tommy.
1: The fact that he hasn't brought himself to say the R word. Okay, let's just, I mean, I do remember, I shouldn't say this because Felipe is going to be all over it, but I do remember having a hard time saying the word f- 40 when i turned 40 i had a hard time saying the five letter f word i mean i was 39 years old in like 18 months okay i would not say the word 40 and and it just it took a while you're even proving... though even though i was most definitely 40 i had a hard time saying it so but, even though he might most definitely
2: be
0: retired yeah. he
1: just can't say
0: it so you're just making my point
2: right that's
1: what i'm saying that, that's that's it's very plausible very yeah. possible I no just doubt want. About it.
2: I want to see one last Larry chance at State Farm Stadium. That's selfishly, that's yeah. one of the biggest. Yeah. reasons. When he goes to, into
0: the Ring of Honor,
2: that's it's not the same though. It's not the same I mean, as coming out of the tunnel and everybody screaming, "Larry!" He would be. He would still be the last one to come out of the tunnel. He would still get the Larry chance. I just as you know, if I pull the curtain back and I, you know, Take it from the look of a of a fan. I would want to see him come out of the ton- tunnel. I would want to hear those chants. I would want to see him mm, catch I, That's one all last... true, but again, the, body. The,
0: yeah. If the fan wants to, that's great. That the fans want that, I appreciate that. I think we all, you know, we we love the pomp and circumstance. That's one of the reasons he doesn't want to do it. Is well, he
1: didn't want to go through that? He'll get it when he's inducted into the Ring of Honor. So he'd even, if he announced he's retiring today he'd get it by the end of the season because they'd induct his name and number.
0: Agree. I would 100% agree with that. So, Which might be another reason why he's not saying maybe, anything. Yeah, is because he yeah. knows they'll turn yeah. around and yeah. want him to come right now yeah. and do something. Yeah. You know, you yeah. could Hell, if he announced his retirement today, they might turn around and do it for the Minnesota yeah. game, the home opener.
1: Yeah. You're right. You're right. But don't forget, and this is the brutal reality, his last moment on an NFL field will probably be walking off week 17 a miserable, dismal loss to the L.A. Rams in an empty SoFi Stadium, and he's walking off in sweats. He was a DNP. And so is that really the way Larry wants to end his career? No,
0: but my argument would be, and we could do a whole podcast just on this, and we're (laughs) going to get too long, but I'm going to say this. If that really stuck with him as much as it would have with me... As much as you're ta- saying it would, why didn't he just come back? If he comes back, they don't sign AJ Green probably. They might draft Rondale Moore, but they don't sign AJ Green, I wouldn't think. And we're not talking about this. And he's getting targets because he was he was there. Like, this, let's make no mistake. I understand what you're talking about with the targets, but I don't see it, there being a situation where the season ended last year and Larry went in and they're like, okay. We don't know what you want to do next year, but if you come back, you're our fifth receiver. So mull that before you re- think about re-signing. That didn't happen. No way. So the only way it unfolds this way is because Larry chose to have it unfold this way. And and that's why I don't think he ever plays again.
1: The only thing I quibble with there, do you think he really got uh a satisfactory amount of targets last year especially the last two months of the year didn't that dry up it just seemed like it i don't have the numbers in front of me it just I mean, seemed like he wasn't a very big part of the game can plan we be, at all can we
0: be honest did anybody get i mean the offense yeah. the last down the stretch no, you're right. if you start talking you're right. about down the stretch the yeah. offense overall was
1: you're right who did stand out i mean in the last there was there was a, right. a couple games where yeah.
0: deandre hopkins only had like two or three catches yeah. and it was like what happened here yeah.
1: that's true that's true okay uh final words anybody uh now is your time speak up you have any uh you know regular season proclamations you want to get on the record because you think you're going to look good two three four months from now anything you want to throw out there and speak it
2: into existence felipe you're nodding two things i enjoy hearing you guys debate about fitzgerald you know have you guys covered him throughout his career so that's why i just sit back and let you guys go at it sometimes
0: being old has its privileges
2: it has a lot of, with with age comes wisdom, right? Yeah. That's something my mama would always tell me. Erudition. But, but uh, before we wrap up the segment, I do want to give a shout out to all the producers and directors that worked on our Folktales oh. uh, project that is uh, going out tonight. The first episode, the Pat Tillman Locker episode. Wednesday and, night. And everybody that's worked on the multitude of episodes and podcasts surrounding podcasts surrounding. This and folk stories, tales and people stories: have written. Everything folk tales related, from producers to writers to reporters, yeah. everything it, you know it's been a, a pleasure watching them behind the scenes, put in the hours and the research and the resources just to get a very uh, a full episode of, uh, of folk tales. And there's going to be 10 of these episodes, if I'm not mistaken, Eleven. there are 11, Eleven. 11 of these episodes. so tune in Folktales, on the Arizona Cardinals YouTube channel. You don't want to miss it. So I'll do what I do best, and I'll play
1: the dumb guy. tales. It's going to be some of the all-time best anecdotes and stories in Cardinals history. That's what these are. You can't
0: tell the Arizona Cardinals history without story, Paul.
1: Boom. There you go. I love it. The play on words. There's going to be the visuals, the video, the documentary, essentially. Yeah. There's going to be the written That's story. On, that'll
0: be on the YouTube channel. Okay. Arizona Cardinals YouTube channel, like Felipe said. Okay, the written story. On on azcardinals.com, you will find the written story and a podcast uh, put together by you and Jim Om- Omohundro. Mm-hmm. And then we'll also have a photo gallery. And those okay. will all live. The video will be uh, we're saying YouTube, but you can also find it embedded in the story on on the website. So uh, there's, there's lots of content to... Uh, put in this week is the legendary locker which is pat tillman uh as we approach the 20th anniversary of 9-11 um he will he his story and and saving the locker again jim omohundro coming up big uh as people will see when they see the video and read the story and uh and listen to the podcast and and we have like felipe said 11 of these episodes that'll unfold throughout the season the last one i think is scheduled right now for the week of christmas the colts game so uh every every week or couple of weeks you'll you'll see new ones and you can't miss it we will definitely promote them
1: so we don't want to hear any of this small change stuff about what do you cardinals media guys do in the offseason let me tell you it was a heavy lift this offseason okay you're going to see dozens of interviews in-person interviews and over zoom we had to track down some of the all-time legendary names and figures in cardinals history there's one-on-one interviews you're going to hear their insights I mean, it was, you know, I know Zach Allen and Lecky Fotu and Rashard Lawrence and Michael Dog. We think they had a big off season. They're doing the hot <laughs> yoga. You know what? The Cardinals media department, man. That's true. We why rolled up the sleeves. Look,
2: why don't you guys name drop some of these interviewees? You know, you guys that oh, know. I, no, because Darren's got to do, of do a TV hit here
1: I and do. we yeah. wouldn't have enough time to. Jake uh, Plummer, Kurt Jake Warner,
0: Plummer. Carlos Dansby. Oh, yeah. Rod Graves made an appearance. Uh, we got some Vince Tobin. Um, trying to think of some of the other Bertram Barry obviously Gabe Watson talked to Uh, Robert Griffith
1: I mean Kevin Butler we tracked down for the goalpost Frank Sanders Frank Sanders Sanders Sanders. was great Larry Sanders was great Rashad
0: Rashad Johnson Gerard Powers
2: he's just showing off now you know all these people all these players that he's known throughout his Darren Urban (laughs) That's right. Paul There's Calvici. gonna be some
1: serious FaceTime
2: for Ken, the Ken for the likes Summers. of, of uh, yeah, of Ken
1: Summers and Darren Urban again, and Mark Dalton. There's some FaceTime. Mark face Dalton time. was fantastic. Mm. Ma-
0: Mark Dalton and Ken Summers might be the the low key uh, stars of this show. No cap, okay. because I think they, they know how to deliver the sound bites for these kind of documentaries. I, I really enjoyed. I I know I know that's uh, completely biased, but I'm gonna say that.
2: Okay. Once again, no cap equals good. So we'll leave it well, there. When I look back at the end of the season and people ask me, you know, what was your favorite part of of the 2021 season? I'm always going to be like, <laughs> my favorite part of the season, my <laughs> highlight was teaching Paul and Darren what Cabin, <laughs> no Cabin. Well, man. first of all, you didn't Darren, te- I knew.
0: Darren, I knew, Darren already in. knew it.
2: Well, Darren already knew what Cabin, well, no meant. But, but the I, fact I that, needed
0: Felipe yeah. to give me the permission well. to use it.
2: But the fact that Paul even used well. it. You know, this yeah. is my third I'm episode receptive. with the squad. And. I, I, I'm open and receptive to a degree. All right, there's
1: no way you're going to tell me BYOB is bring your own bottle. It's <laughs> always going to be bring your own beer. Bring your we'll, own set booze. Set a, we'll set a poll. We'll set a poll on Twitter. This is, this is today's youth. They don't want to debate it. They just want to throw a poll out there on social media. <laughs> that's what. I, that's why I draw the line. That's the end of Cardinals Underground. Brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Get off my lawn.